I went to school three hours away. Okay. In Mount Olive. Okay. Um, and then I came back closer to home and I went to Pfeiffer. I was very active. I was cheerleading. I was in gymnastics, beta club, honor society, student <laughs> council. Um, so it was a little awkward time. I was getting bullied a lot. Um, my feet were too big. My forehead was too big. I was too skinny. Um, and that stuff stamped me for quite a bit, actually. Um, I started drinking a lot, but it was because of the partying. Because, yeah. you know, the shelter kids, we go buck wild once we get a little freedom. <laughs> so I did. I went buck and wild. So my parents were probably like, oh, she's there doing her work and stuff. So and were you I'm still like, getting good grades? Absolutely. Let's go. Absolutely. So they're not going <laughs> to, the, the truth of the matter is, they're not going to suspect anything wrong if the grade's good. Until I got pregnant. What up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the RXS Podcast. Today, we got Makira Settle in the building. What's goody? What's up? How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm good. How's life? Life is lifing, but it's great over here. When you <laughs> when you say life is lifing, uh, is it good, bad, in between, like right now in life? It's How great. Is it? Let's go. It's great. Great. Absolutely. I'm living my best life right now. Most people, I never really hear people say life is great. I mostly hear people say everything is okay mm -hmm. or all right. And some people may say good. I rarely ever hear people say great. That's because you make life what it is. Oh. So I'm in control of what I do every day. I can wake up and be sad all day or I can wake up and be happy all day. So I choose to wake up and have a great day for the most part. So it's a choice. Yeah, everything we do is a choice. Gang. Yeah. That's a bar. That's a song. <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to get up on that. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the show, but I like to start all the way from the beginning. Okay. So take me back to where you were born. I was born and raised in Asheboro, North Carolina. Okay, gang. Um, that's where I've lived all my life. And I recently moved to Greensboro two or three years ago. So you've been in Asheboro this entire time? Is yeah. there a lot of mountains there? That's Asheville. Okay. Asheboro is the zoo. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in Asheboro, right? I said it right? Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up there? Um. Well, my parents are well known. Okay. So I was always on a pedestal. I didn't really get to, you know, do much. I did much, but I had to do. You had to. So what were they what were they well known for? Um so my mom she is a like stamp in the community. Okay. Um, she does a lot for the community. My dad's a musician. So okay. everybody knows my parents and they see me they're like, "Oh, that's uh Helen's daughter and that's Lorenzo's daughter." Yeah, that's me. They don't even know my name. They just know <sighs> I'm my parents' kid. So, even so, to this day. So, was it pressure growing up? Um yeah, a lot of it. In a good way. Now, I didn't appreciate it then, but now it's like, I see why. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to be perfect? Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, I did. In all aspects, school, extracurricular, church, um, I did. I didn't want to let my parents down, and I didn't want to be a failure. And because I didn't know who I was or what I wanted to be, I was kind of living up to what they wanted me to do and be. And at the time, it really did suck because it was mm. like— Dang, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to go to church Sunday morning, but I want to hang out on Saturday night. But then once I got older, it was like, 
now I see why they wanted me at church on Sunday yeah. and why they didn't want me out at night on Saturday. So I appreciate it now, but then it was hard. Mm. It was hard growing up. Were you singing early? Um, yeah, I was. My mom had me in the choir. Okay. Uh, How old very were you? early. I would say like five or six. Okay. I started dancing first. Okay. Um, and then I was singing in the Buds of Promise choir. <laughs> <laughs> That's not like that. That's definitely a youth choir. Well, <laughs> first, tell me about the dancing part. So my mom's a dancer. She okay. um does mom dance and liturgical dance. And so I started, I think I was dancing before I could walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, in the church, my mom was uh, over everything just about. So everything she did, I did. Mm. And when she danced, I danced. And when she had the dance group, of course, I was right there. Um, and I started dancing on my own once I got a little older. And I really took to that instead of singing. Um, and I always tell people, like, dance is my first love. And they're like, no, but you can sing. And why you don't want to sing instead of dance? And when people ask me to come to, like, services or programs, they're like, um, are you going to sing or dance? I'm going to dance. No, mm. we wanted you to sing. Why I'm going to dance. Why y'all ask? <laughs> that part. <laughs> why you even ask? But what made dancing more appealing to you than singing? There's quite a few things. Um, for one, dancing is like an escape. When I'm dancing, I get to be me. I get to be free. I get to move how I want to move. Nobody has to tell me what to do. Um, I love music, so it's just like flowing to the music. Um, and then when it comes to singing, I was so scared because people are so judgmental. And I was scared, like, what if I get up there and I sing and I mess up the words? Or what if so-and-so saw me at the club last night and then Sunday I'm trying to sing Let Go and Let God? And you're like, you were just at the club last night. Yeah. So it was that pressure of, like, not doing it right and being judged versus just being free. And so I like to dance because that's my freedom. That's an interesting thing to me to hear because you could easily be judged dancing too, though. That is true. But when you see a dancer, you don't know what the dance moves are. But when you hear a song, you know what the lyrics are. You know what the words are. If I'm singing Let Go and Let God, you know what I'm singing about. If I'm dancing... I'm dancing to the words. I'm expressing myself through dance and not through words. So there's there's not an expectation of what people know of the song with dancing like it is with singing. Right. That's crazy, but true. I've never thought about that before. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Yep. So was there a point in your life where you decided to embrace singing more? I've come around the last maybe year or two. Um, mm. it's, it's new. Um, of course I sung in church and that's never stopped, but I don't know. Dancing is just my thing, Yeah. but coming around here lately, I've been singing more and it's more so because dancing was not on a, not only a hobby, but it was a gift. Now, when it comes to singing, that's more spiritual for me. It's not just, I'll sing a song. So I had to mature spiritually to really get into my music and singing, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, <clears throat> have you? When did you get to the place where you even recognized singing as a spiritual thing? Um, I'd have to say I've always known, 
because when I was younger and I would sing, I would see people cry and, you know, like people would be lifting their hands and they're just like, oh my gosh, you touched my heart, you touched my soul. And I'm just like, I sung a song. <laughs> like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do anything. So then it was like, okay, maybe God is using me when I sing. As a kid, I'm like, okay, God's using me to sing and people are feeling the spirit, you know, while I'm singing. So maybe it's something spiritual. And as I got older and started taking God more serious, it was like, Okay, so I'm supposed to be singing, God. That's what uh, you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. So growing up, let's talk about, like, middle school for you. Okay. What was going on then? I was very active. I was cheerleading. I was in gymnastics, uh, beta club, honor society, student <laughs> council, um, of course, in church, trying to find who I was as mm-hmm. a kid. Um it was it was an interesting time. I was at that time where I wanted to date and couldn't. Okay. Um. So that was kind of hard because all of my friends were dating, little, yeah. and we would go to the dances, and everybody's like, "Oh, my boyfriend's coming." I'm just like, "My Aww. dad dropped me off. <laughs> 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 like, I don't have anything spectacular. Yeah. Um. I couldn't dress like them, and Everybody had hit puberty, so I'm in the bathroom like, let me stuff some tissue in my bra to make it look like, you know, I've got a Victoria's Secret bra on. Um, So it was a little awkward time. I was getting bullied a lot. Um, My feet were too big. My forehead was too big. I was too skinny. Um, And that stuff stamped me for quite a bit, actually. Um, But, yeah, that's how middle school life went. I was still, of course, on that pedestal of don't do anything wrong. Um... And I think I did pretty good around middle school. It wasn't until high school that I started getting a little rocky and was like, oh, uh. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into it. But I want to talk about two things okay. um, about middle school. So these different, like, programs and all of this, was it from the pressure of wanting to do everything right or were you just, like, naturally drawn to school? I was naturally drawn to school. Um, this is actually my first month going on the second month of me being out of school. I've been in school since... I was a kid. <laughs> so, yeah, this is my first. I graduated in December with my master's and I wanted to keep going. But I was like, I need a break. I want to enjoy life. Yeah. And now I'm like, crap, let me check and see if I have a discussion board due or like. Because okay. you're so used to it. It's become a part of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yo, that's wild. Yeah. Like your whole entire life you've been in school. My whole life. Yo, I can't even yeah. I only took, I think, two semesters off when I had my son. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not going back. I'm not going to finish my bachelor's. I'm going to just, you know, I got my high school diploma. I'm going to just chill there. And something was like, nope, you go ahead and get back in there. So I did. And that was the only time I had a little break from school. So with all that you've been through, I'm going to go back to high school now. Okay. So you're in middle school. Mm -hmm. You're doing all these things. You get to high school. That's when things get a little rocky. Mm-hmm. But you still love school at this point in high yeah, school? I did. I loved school. I wanted to be in everything in high school because I watched High School Musical and I saw them do everything. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do everything. Like, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. And I did. And, of course, my parents still had that pressure of, like, you got to bring home A's. We'll take a B, but you got to bring home A's. We need you doing varsity cheerleading. You need to be doing band. So when I got there, it was like, 
I don't really want to do all this, but I do because I only get four years mm. and I want to do everything. So I literally did everything. I did a, a year in JRT, ROTC. Mm-hmm. I did marching band. Um, I did concert band. I did everything. Mm-hmm. Varsity cheerleading. And then I um, was the captain of JV as well. So like I was just doing it all. Sheesh. <clears throat> did you, did, were there ever times when you were like tired as a kid from doing all of that? Um, no. You never got burnout? Mm-mm. Word. Yeah. And you in church and stuff, too? Yeah. Because I got to balance it out, though. Like, that's when it got a little rocky, and I was like, okay, I'm going to step off this pedestal on Friday night, and Uh, then I'm going to come back. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So what were some things you did to step off the pedestal? Be me. Explain. So um, I don't even know where to start. So for me, I didn't get to do a lot of stuff on my own, so... If I went somewhere, I had a curfew, you know, I had to be home. If I went somewhere on a Saturday, I had to be home in time for church on Sunday. So, like, I didn't really get to do, you know, my friends could say, hey, girl, we're going out this weekend. Yeah. It was none of that. I had to hear about it on Monday at school. But for me, I um, would go out. I liked to dance, and mm-hmm. that was in all scenes and all settings. Um, so I loved to go to the club. Yeah. And that was my, like, go-to Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. I was in somebody's club as <laughs> long as I was. In yeah. the car stand on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love to go to the club. So that was like my, okay, my woosah. My parents wanted me to do this all week. I did. It's Thursday night. It's Friday night. I'm putting on my booty shorts. I'm out of here. Like, <laughs> I'm out of here because I want to have some fun. Yeah. I want to be 16. I want to be 17. I want to yeah. be 18. I don't want to be, you know. So you grown. just you just wanted a moment to kind of escape, mm-hmm. kind of. And I found that. In the club. Well, I would say in the streets. I wouldn't even say just in the club. Like, sometimes I would say I'm going to the club and I'd be, like, rolling the streets. <laughs> like what? Just riding around? Yeah, just riding around, just walking downtown, looking cute, hollering at people. Like, hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey, we out here. We out here. <laughs> Outside. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you, after high school, mm-hmm. you went to college, clearly, because you've been in school all your life. Yes. Was it in Ashboro? No, I went to school three hours away. Okay. In Mount Olive. Okay. Um, and then I came back closer to home, and I went to Pfeiffer, and that's where I graduated. Okay. So what was it like in Mount Olive, and why did you come back? <sighs> okay. Let's go. So um, I went to Mount Olive originally because I wanted to go far away. I did not want to be close to home because I wanted some freedom. I didn't want my parents, like, popping up in my dorm, like, hey, just make sure you're studying. (laughs) So I tried to make sure I went somewhere far away. I really wanted to go to Wake Forest, but I felt like I wasn't smart enough. I mean, I knew I was, but I just felt like I wasn't smart enough to go to Wake or Duke. So I was just like, I'm not even going to apply. Wait, what made you think you weren't smart enough? Why Um, Why was that even a thought? I don't know. Like, I've always had a little self doubt. Um, growing up because I didn't know what I was capable of because I was doing stuff under pressure all the time. So I didn't know, like, if I did something on my own, like, would I really succeed without the pressure? Or I don't know. So I didn't even apply. And then the crazy thing about it, the skip for just a second, I applied to Wake Forest for grad school, and they were like, yo, come on. (laughs) Of course. That's normally how it goes. Um, So... Back to Mount Olive, I wanted to go there, of course, to be far away. Um, I did get a scholarship and stuff for track and academics and whatever. Um, Getting there, it was great. I met a guy um, 
the summer before I left. Mm-hmm. And we, like, hit things off, and we started talking to date or whatever. Um, got to campus, and it was just a hot mess, like, a whole hot mess. So he was dating me and, like, two other girls all on the same team. Um, so it became a, a, a mess. So one night after practice, um, him and I had gotten into it or whatever, so he sent his two girlfriends to jump me. Um, after our practice so when that happened now remind you we just finished track practice collegiate track practice we don't just you know run a lap and be done like we're lifting weights we're running we're jumping whatever we do and so afterwards they were like let's go and so they got me from the back did what they did I went to my room I called my parents and I was like hey yo go get me I called my sister when I tell you that three-hour trip was like 15 minutes for her, she was on two wheels to me. <laughs> um, so that was the reason why I came back um, because I just didn't, you know, I'm not a trouble person. Like, I mm-hmm. don't really do much. I try to stay out the way. I've always been like that because I was scared I was going to get a whooping. So yeah, <laughs> I've always facts. stayed out the way. Um, but when that happened, it just made me feel some type of way, like, all the way across the board. So I was like, I'm going to come on home. And I did. And uh, I went to Pfeiffer. What was that like? Coming home or switching? All of it. Um, Coming home was a little disappointing because I was so successful in track. Mm. Um, And I had a really good relationship with the people that I had met. And cheerleading was going well as as well. Um, But it was just hard because... I really liked the school. I was far yeah. away. Um, I was doing well. I had a nice apartment. Like, everything was going so well. And then it was like, so I just shot it down. Looking back now, do you wish you would have stayed? Um, I don't know. I feel like my life would be a lot different if I would have stayed. Um, I know my life would be a lot different had I stayed. But... If I would have stayed, I feel like I wouldn't have been as healthy of a person if I would have stayed. And what makes you say that? Because I would have put up with, well, that didn't change, but I would have put up (laughs) with a lot of crap (laughs) that I know I shouldn't have put up with. And just having to always watch my back and stuff like I was already kind of self-conscious because that self-doubt was there as it was. And I was a new kid on the block, but I came in with a bang like I was like, I don't care if you're a junior or senior. I'm finna be first place. Like, we're not, yeah, we not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so I came in. I wanted to be the best. I was the best. So I already had to look over my shoulder. So to have that extra pressure was like, that wasn't going to be healthy. And then I started drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, How old were you? I was 18, 19. Um, I started drinking a lot, but it was because of the partying. Because, yeah. you know, the shelter kids, we go buck wild once we get a little freedom. <laughs> so I did. I went buck and wild. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I started drinking, um, and I then started drinking like to cope and to deal with stuff. So that became a problem. And I feel like if I would have stayed, I'd probably be an AA and not on your show right now. (laughs) So, yeah. So you were able to recognize, do you feel like that was God saying, I am a gear, I'm a gear, a lifeline. Yeah. He always provides a way of escape. So that was my way of escape. I mean, he could have gave me a heads up, but you know, (laughs) he could have been like, Hey, just go ahead and leave. <laughs> but you know, it's all good. So you're at what was the name of the college? Mount next? Olive. And oh, Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Was it totally different? Did you still do track? Did you still cheerlead? 
It was different in a sense of community because Mount Olive was like lit. And then Pfeiffer's like, praise Jesus, welcome to campus. That's what you needed. So, <laughs> but they were actually worse. Um, Wait a minute. <laughs> they were actually worse. <laughs> so they were praise Jesus on the outside, but they were worse yeah, than my knowledge on the inside. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like, how long did it take before you discovered that? Um, Probably like a week. Wait. <laughs> so is Pfeiffer, like, I, I watch movies, right? Is Pfeiffer one of them schools where... Parents think their children are doing so good, but they really wilding. Probably, because I'm sure my parents thought that I was, like, <laughs> doing really well. <laughs> now, I stayed in the all-girls dorm, okay. but it was the same week we moved in that there were guys down there, and I'm like... So guys were sneaking into the all-girls dorm? Yeah. Wow. And amazing. then they were, like, on the floor on top of us, so they would just, like, sneak down and, like, take a shower in our showers on the hall, and then they would go to their girls' dorm. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being typical college kids. Yeah, absolutely. And was that experience something you enjoyed? Yeah, I did, actually. What were you <laughs> what were you up to? Like what was the vibe? Um, it was lit. So I played the bassoon. I'm gonna tell some some good stuff and some crazy stuff. Yeah. So I played the bassoon and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's very loud. Um yes. it's the woodwind instrument. Yes. So on some nights, I would walk up and down the hallway and play the Pink Panther <laughs> with my band geek friends. And we would, like, walk up and down the hallways until they either, like, kick us out or, like, yell at us. Um, there, I did go with a group of guys that put condoms on the doorknobs to the <laughs> freshmen. But I came in. I was, you know, not a freshman. And I was cute. So they were like, oh, come with us. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm, like, ripping condoms open. They're like, hey, give me here. Give me here. So I gave it to them. They put it on the doors. So I did that kind of stuff, and then, like, I had my guy friends yeah. and my basketball team. Well, yeah. not team, but the guys on the basketball team, like, they would come down and chill out or whatever. Yeah. So my parents were probably like, oh, she's there doing her work and stuff. So and were I'm you still like, getting good grades? Absolutely. Let's go. Absolutely. So they're not going to—the the truth <laughs> of the matter is they're not going to suspect anything wrong if the grade's good. Until I got pregnant. Let's go. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> definitely so yeah wait a minute so where were you at in college when you got pregnant as far as like i think like, i was a junior okay um yeah i think i was a junior maybe somewhat of a senior um i really can't remember that far back <laughs> it's okay it's okay so did you think about being a mom before this mm -mm. it never I crossed your mind want any kids and before that, when I was in high school, actually, my doctor told me because of the anatomy that I have that I can't conceive. Like, I scientifically cannot conceive children. So, of course, you tell somebody like that something, I'm going to be like, okay, And you in college? <laughs> I'm in college and I can't have kids? And I put the condoms on the doorknob, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, so yeah. yeah, it was just, um, I was out here wilding. I didn't really want any kids, though. I did have plans to adopt a child with Down syndrome. Like, that was the only thing I had as mm -hmm. far as kids. Like, I always wanted to adopt a little girl mm -hmm. with Down syndrome. And that never happened because I got pregnant. So. so, getting pregnant, is the person who you had a child with associated with your school life? No. So, I was heavy into music. Okay. Industry. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. So, uh, my dad plays quartet music. Yeah. 
So I was heavy in the quartet. I was on the scene, every scene, and you seen me. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I was out there. Um, yeah. Anytime he had to go, I was going. Facts. And when I was driving, I meet him there. Um, <laughs> so I don't think there was ever a show where he was like, what are you doing here? But I was there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was heavy in the quartet scene. That's mm-hmm. where I really did most of my troublesome stuff. Yeah. Um, once I got that freedom. It was like, okay, I like it over here. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so this it's wild because it's not even college. Nope. It's not even at school. Oh. <laughs> now they came to school. Like I brought quartet to school with me. <laughs> 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 but it wasn't school related. If yes. That yeah. Yes. So you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Were you terrified Absolutely. when you found out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like. I thought I was going to die. Hmm. Like I did. I thought I was going to die because I had to tell my parents. Like that was going to be my first real big like shot to the gut to my parents. How old were you? 21. So in your mind, are you thinking like this is my first big failure? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I had to go through the whole, do I keep it? Do I get rid of it? Do I keep it? And move out because I was still living with my parents even though I was on campus you know mm-hmm. it was no need for me to get a place because I was on campus but it was like do I just drive out of school have this baby move out on my own like I didn't know what to do I didn't know how I was going to tell my parents like because I still got whoopings my dad don't play I'm his only child so I was getting whoopings from like infantry on up to 22 like I feel like if he sees some of this stuff on his video he gonna whoop me when he sees <laughs> <laughs> So as a grown 21-year-old, you were like, this is a big failure and I might get a whooping. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't really worried about the whooping, but I knew they were going to probably like kick me out or something. Yeah. Because um, I knew they would be disappointed. Cause, and I also went to a church where it's like, you got to be married. You shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. So then it was like the church, the community, my parents. It was just like everybody's going to look at me and be like, she fell off her pedestal. So... Yeah, that's what I was feeling. Um, and it was a lot. It was a lot of pressure. Like, when I found out, I found out early enough to, you know, get rid of it. If but it you was like, chose to. Yeah, but I didn't want to live with that either. Because I was like, yeah. what if I need this child, you know? What if God gave me this child because I needed it? But my life. Like, what about my life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, first. Mm-hmm. How long did you wait to tell your parents? It wasn't long. It was not long because I couldn't, I couldn't hold it. Mm. I just couldn't hold it, and I don't think I told anyone. I mean, I told one person, um, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I was like, I need to tell them because my mama. You know how mamas are; they know everything. Yeah, like so if I don't tell her, she's right. she gonna pull like, up on me. She if gonna I be put like, my pregnant. fork to the side, she's gonna be like, "Um, <laughs> you put your fork to the side. You pregnant?" Like she knows so. I was like, I ain't gonna be able to hide it, and I'm I'm sick easily, so that didn't help. And soon as I told them, I was sick every week. So it was like, had I not told them, they would have found, found out. out. <laughs> yeah. What was their response? Well, they didn't talk to me for quite a while. Um, it was very awkward because we obviously lived in the same house. Um, it was hard. It was hard. Like I really thought that that was it for me. Mm. Like I thought that was it. Um, I thought they were gonna like give up on me because. I mean, I had already planned to have a music career. I wanted to go on Broadway. I yeah. wanted to travel. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of stuff planned up for me, but I knew when I told it, 
they were gonna like. So did you have to leave home? I didn't. I didn't. Wait, 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 wait. So you tell them mm-hmm. you're still in the house with them, mm-hmm. but y'all are not talking. It was just that tension yeah. of like, we put you up here and you've come down here and now you're on the floor and it's like, and I think my parents were more so worried about their reputation as well because they're known for having the angel child, you know, and I did everything. I'm the varsity cheerleader. I'm the straight A student. I'm the beta club person. I'm on honor society. Like, that's what I was known for. Yes. So my first failure was a whole baby, like mm. <laughs> a whole baby. Like I didn't get caught with weed yeah. or nothing. It was a whole, whole baby. baby. So. so you know what it takes to get to a baby. Yeah. So, yeah, she did all that. Yeah. But the crazy <laughs> thing, I want to go back to what you said. I don't think parents mean any harm, but it is unhealthy for parents to use their children as like trophy children. Like who you are is connected to who your children are. Mm -hmm. Now, of course you raise them, you teach them, Mm -hmm. but then to expect them to live a certain way so that you are perceived a certain way. That's tough, bro. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, they don't mean any harm by it. They just, they just wanted me to be successful. And right. that's all. Like my right. dad, he always say, do your work and you can play later. And yeah. I still live to that to this day. Like, but even you played though. though. Once that later came. Yeah. When that later came. Play. When later came, you did not, you, you <laughs> did not hold back at all. Not one that's bit. That's it. Batter up. I was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was ready. so like, are we talking Days, weeks, months. How long have we been silent with the parents in it, the house? It felt like the whole pregnancy. It wasn't. They it eventually like lightened it. up. But mm-hmm. it's like that first, I don't know, maybe the first few weeks. They were. Yeah. I don't know if they just didn't know what to say. It That's wasn't possible. even that they hated me. They probably just didn't know like, what to say. It was probably shocking. Yeah, I know it was. It was shocking. Because pro- in their mind, they probably don't think the activity is that close to you yeah that that would happen yeah so then that happens you decide to keep the baby yes you have your son Mm -hmm. what's your parents doing at this point i mean they love my children more than they love me (laughs) (laughs) that's normally how it goes it's like they're they're kind of disappointed because they don't want that to be a setback that you can't recover from. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, now that I'm a parent with a 13-year-old daughter, which is crazy, by the way, right. <laughs> I understand how a parent can be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I also understand how a parent can drop the ball on communicating what they really want you to know. Mm-hmm. And it come off like, like a whooping. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of pressure when really it's just, I want you to do your best right. so that you can have all the opportunities available to you. That's all they wanted. That was all they wanted from me. Like, that's all my parents wanted was for me to be successful and yeah. get everything that I could out of life. Yes. They were just a little harsh about it. <laughs> <laughs> it be that way. Because sometimes that's that's how they know. That's all they know. Yeah. So you have your first son. Mm-hmm. That's when you take a break from school? Yeah, I um, took, I believe, like two semesters off. Okay. Um, I did some online stuff, so I wouldn't get behind, um, found a job. 
And then I was like, oh, I want to go back to school because I kind of like not being in school and I didn't know how I was going to work with a baby because I ain't never had a baby. So I was mm-hmm. like, does a baby cry at night? Like when I'm trying to do my work? Like yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Um, and I felt like my parents weren't going to help me. So I was like, it's going to be just me. So once you get pregnant, you have now decided you on your own. Mm-hmm. That's what I made up in my mind. I just knew it was going to be me and this child. That's it. So he comes like... Like, what was your initial, once y'all get home, were you like, oh, my God? Like, what were your thoughts? It was not that. <laughs> what was it? Crap, I have a baby. <laughs> like, this a whole life. Like, I got a whole baby. Baby. Yeah. And it's like, this baby came out of me, and it's yeah. like, I got to take care of this baby. Yeah. What have I done? Because at this point, you're still a child. Yeah. Like, you well, I mean, home. I was grown, but I was still a child. Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. So, at what age, what's your son's name? Jeremiah. So at what age was Jeremiah when you were like, okay, I figured it out. I'm 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 cool now. Six. <laughs> How old is Jeremiah? Six. <laughs> so listen, so so listen. The plot thickens, guys. We yeah. have we are just getting to the nitty gritty. So listen, <laughs> okay, you have Jeremiah. Okay, cool. Once Jeremiah, let's say I'll go out fast for once he turns two, what's going on in your life? Um, two. Let's see. Um, I think I was in school. Back okay, in school. Back in school. Um, I'm really not sure. I think I was. Let me see. I graduated in 19. Oh, maybe I was graduating. Okay. Because I had him in 17. I graduated with my bachelor's in 19. Let's go, bachelor's. So you still, was... come on. <laughs> you still ain't playing games yeah. with the school, though. Um. Yeah, I ain't going to play with school. My dad, he had come get me. <laughs> but yeah, I had, Um. I think I had graduated around when he turned two or was two. Uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Yeah. Because I didn't want to with my parents yeah all my life yeah uh but I, I didn't think i was ready to be out on my own mm. because i knew they would still be there mm-hmm. um so yeah i was i was kind of in transition i would say were around. you drinking no i wasn't drinking i i stopped that when i left from mount olive i think okay. it was just the environment that i was in yeah. really because yeah. that's all we did was drink yeah every day four locos yeah four locos palmason yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's that's the day that's the <laughs> bootleggers <days. laughs> Hey, hey, the bootleggers be good, though. They, they, they look, hey, I ain't gonna lie. Hey, hey I ain't gonna lie. Those jokes be kind of hitting a little bit. I mean, they was good back hey, then. They yeah. did what they had to do. <laughs> they got the job done. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're in transition. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship at the time with Jeremiah's father? So, that was a little rocky. Okay. Um, When I found out I was pregnant... I actually didn't know who I was pregnant by. Mm. Um, so I was in a relationship and well, it was like a rocky relationship. Okay. And I was also seeing someone in the quartet world because yeah. I just couldn't let that go. And then um it was like a run in with Jeremiah's dad, and then that was it. So I was like, Oh crap. Not only do I gotta tell my parents that I have a baby on the way, but I had to tell them, like, I didn't tell, I don't think I told them I didn't know who it was because I thought it was the person I was in a relationship with. Um, so it was like, I know, 
But, you know, that gut feeling to be like, no. (laughs) So that was happening. And then once it came down to it and the DNA test and stuff got involved, it was like that made everything worse because now my parents know that I've had sex. Yes. And now they know that I've had sex with multiple Multiple people. people. So and then I had to look at like, what are the people going to say about me? Like, they're going to think bad stuff about me because I'm a goody two shoes. Like, I don't Um, have sex. I've never seen a man naked. And then they have to find out that I have a baby. You've, you've definitely way. done a little more than seen yeah. him. Yeah. So um, as far as his dad, like we had a good friendship before. And then when this happened, it was just like, bam. So um, it really was just me and the baby. So he would have been good with being your friend, but he wasn't down with being a father. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that, I mean, I had to own up to that because I didn't. No, in the first place. So, mm. oh wait, wait, wait. So you kind of interesting, Kira. Your position about the situation was somewhat of understanding because of how it went down. A little bit. I mean, and like I said, we were friends before that, so I didn't know what was going to come of it. Like I was like, well, maybe we'll start dating. Yeah. Or maybe we'll do something. I don't know, but. It didn't go either way, so I was just so. Like, what about the boyfriend that you had? That um, how did you how did you tell him, and how did things end up? Um. Okay. So I don't even know where to start with that. Hey. <laughs> so um, I don't remember how I told him. Okay. I mean, of course, I told him like when I found out. Okay. Um, after I got my life together. Okay. Um, and then I think he might have said something about whether he was really the father or not. So do you think he felt like he may not have been? Probably. But that's because he knew how promiscuous I was. And Interesting. Everybody that knew me knew, like, when she in the Cortez scene, she in the Cortez scene. So I got you. Um, I think he might have just felt like it. So that's actually where the DNA test came in from him. Um, and then we like stop talking um his mom didn't like me so even before that yeah she didn't like me so, so she 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 called yeah. that a w none of his people really cared mm. for me and he wasn't in music well yeah he was in music I, a I, different kind of way he was not in quartet music. <laughs> get, 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 it, get it out <laughs> he was in music and in church but it wasn't quartet. it was, it was my like quartet. The, it was the church scene. yeah it was church okay so um, the church scene. they didn't like me. Okay. People that were associated with him, they didn't really care for me. So, um, I mean, that was that. So I guess they were happy about it, not yeah. being his baby anyways. Um, and then we went our separate ways, but we still, till this day, like, we're still cool. Oh, okay. um, like, I don't have any bad blood with anybody. If people don't like me, that's on them. Um, so I don't have any bad blood with him. Like, every now and then we may run across a post or something from each yeah. other and like, oh, hey, how you doing? Good, yeah, how are yeah, you? Yeah. And that's it. So... I mean, I'm sure it hurt him because we really did like each other. Like, it was really a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, And it hurt me as well. But, I mean, life happens. So, did you start moving different after that? Mm -mm. (laughs) I'm supposed to be honest on this. Yes, absolutely honest. Why didn't you stop moving? Why didn't you start moving different? When you say moving different, what do you mean? What do you think I mean? I mean, just like in general? Yeah. Okay. Um, Cause you said, <laughs> cause nothing really changed. I mean, once I was 
once I got over that hump, yeah, it was like, okay, we're back smooth sailing. Let's carry on with life. It's not that bad. And I mean, of course, life still happened. Yeah, but it was like, okay, it's not that bad. It's just so. Were you yeah. still promiscuous? I think it got worse. But I didn't. I don't think it got worse. What triggered it to get worse? Um, I don't know what triggered it, but I will say I really loved the attention that I was getting. Um, I don't remember when I went to my first quartet show, but when I did, it was like all eyes on me. Like everybody just had to be around me. Everybody had to say something. I was like, oh, I like this. You know, like, uh, <laughs> I like this. Um, so it grew as I grew. Like then I was a little popsicle stick. Like I was like this big. I was you know, just like. I was just about to go back to that. Like, cause I want I want to help people that's watching this, mm -hmm. right? So let's go back to middle school. Okay. Feet, mm -hmm. forehead, mm -hmm. stick. Mm -hmm. That's all been in your mind mm -hmm. until the boys started looking at you. I mean, even then, I was still like, how could they possibly be looking at me? And <sighs> I got my big feet. feet are big, uh, and they can't see my hair past my forehead. Like, yeah. I was still thinking about that. But I learned that they did not care nothing about my boats on my ankles. Like, <laughs> So because they didn't care, you gave them that attention. Yeah, because they were giving me the attention. Mm. Yeah. So, And I liked it. They made me feel like I was a celebrity, like, I could not walk in the show and they not be like, yo, what's up? Yeah. I'm so glad to see you. And it made me feel like I was somebody. Yes. Um, and I really, I'm actually processing that in therapy. Like, I don't know what the void was that I had that was craving that attention because my parents, they loved me unconditionally until yes. I got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> but they still loved me unconditionally. <laughs> and they gave me everything I wanted, like, I never heard no, like, I yeah. just, unless I wanted to go out or do something <laughs> in the streets. But, like, they gave me everything. Like, my parents gave me the world. If my dad could have got the sun and gave it to me in a Ziploc bag, he would have. Yeah. So I don't know what that void was or where it came in where I was craving that attention. But it was like when I started getting it, it was like feeling something that was empty. Mm. And I don't know what that was, but the attention just it just kept growing. And as I was growing, like I was saying, like I started feeling out a little more. And then I got my first tattoo and it was like, oh, now she looking she real is. good. Like, <laughs> so it was like the more I did, even more came to me. And I'm just like, dang, like y'all liked me when I was nothing. <clears throat> And now I'm starting to grow up a little bit, and then I get some education under my belt, and, you know, I'm starting to do music more, and it's like, now they really, like, you know, yeah. wiping my feet at this point. Like, I love it out here. Of course I'm going <laughs> to so, stay. So I have to ask you, <laughs> did anybody end up complimenting your feet? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, what is that like to hear that after them being picked on for so long? Like, did you take it? Did, was it, did you think they were being funny? To this day, when people say my feet are pretty, I still think, like, are you fine? Like, are you just saying that because my shoes are cute? Like, why are you talking about my feet? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's just because people always said, like, my feet were so big. And, and I mean, they were. I was, like, this big. And then I had these big old size 11 feet yeah. hanging off of me. So it was like, dang, my feet really are big. But yeah. then I got older and, like, People would ask me for feet pictures, and I'm like, I'm not sending you a picture of my feet because they're big, they're ugly. Like, I'm not doing that. And then people started telling me, like, oh, I would lick your feet, or like, I would love to massage your feet, or like, I'm just like, what? Not my feet, they're big. Yeah. And then I just 
one day was like, oh, okay. But even now, like if somebody be like, oh, your feet are so pretty. You, you, it just, like, you still feel a little. Yeah. Okay. It's like to, to hear you talk. I can, even though you don't know what the void is, mm-hmm. like to hear your story, it makes sense because you're getting the opposite response. Like when we're element, not elementary, when we're in middle school and high school, elementary too for most people, right. like those years and the opinions and validation or lack of validation that we get in those years, they shape how we view ourselves mm-hmm. and how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So then you become an adult. Where I ain't going to say the end word. <laughs> Well, <laughs> brothers is out here saying the opposite. Right. It's like, yo, what's right. what what is going on? Mm-hmm. You start flexing a little bit because it's like, <laughs> what? Maybe I ain't the big foot little right. <laughs> so even to turn up, and then yeah. that's like that's just how we process it. Mm-hmm. It's like you're making up for eight years, six, uh, ten years, eleven years of being told a certain thing. But my mom always made me feel beautiful. But that ain't. She's supposed to say that. Right, right. But she always, but, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, you're just saying that. But my mom would give me compliments and she would always make me say, I'm black, I'm beautiful, and I'm somebody. And I would always say that. And she probably was like, okay, she thinks this is corny, which I did. But then I got older and I was like, oh, okay, well, I really am black. I really am beautiful and I I am somebody. So when she complimented me, like, I actually took that to heart. Like, now she just be setting me up. But when I was younger, (laughs) she would tell the truth. Like, oh, your little dress is cute for the dance. Now she let me walk out in polka dots and stripes. Like, my (laughs) mom ain't, she ain't for real with me now. She loved me when I was little, but now she's just like. Oh, go ahead on that. (laughs) It's it's perfect. Yeah. Do your thing. So let's fast forward. If you can't hold your mule, <laughs> don't give it to somebody that don't deserve it. Now, nah. please don't. You know he out here sleeping with everybody. Don't do it. And you gonna do it because it feel good. Why? Cause he got a big thing thing or something. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't. That ain't. You know how many men folk around here? Never mind. I'm just. <laughs> There's plenty of fishies in the sea. If you enjoyed this clip of Be For Real, you can watch the full video. Just head over to RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just type in B-E-F-U-H-R-E-A-L period. So you're still promiscuous Mm -hmm. at this point. How old is, let's see, let's see how I want to ask. You have a second son. Mm -hmm. How do we get from the first son to the second son? I'm going to just let you talk. Okay. Um, How did I get from the first son to the second son? Okay. So. Come on, man. You tripping. Oh, my God. Okay. So you had the DNA. First of all, let me set it up. Let me get us back on track. Right. All right. So we, we get the DNA test. It's not the boyfriend. Right. Baby. 
Right. Do we find out whose baby it is? Yes, yes. obviously. That that guy, he ain't really with it, so y'all ain't friends no more. Mm-hmm. You still in the Cortez streets. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? I stayed in the streets. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say recently, but I recently got out in the streets. Okay. Like, all the way out. Okay. Like, they going to have to watch this to see me type out. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, let's see. So, the second baby. So, there was this kid. I'm going to tell the whole story. Let's go. So, there was this kid when I was younger. You okay. know, we used to have choir anniversaries and stuff back in the day. Yeah. We don't do that no more. But I used to sing solo on these events. And there was this kid that used to follow me around. And, like, every time I look out there when I was singing, he was out there. So, yeah. I'm like, ew. Um, so, <laughs> so time went on and he started coming to the church that I go to and I'm like, ew, what are you doing? <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. So when he came to the church though, he looked a little bit different. He had grew up a little bit. Oh. So I was like, Ooh. oh, <laughs> <laughs> I retract my statements. Okay. All my feelings I had before um, I don't got them no more. Yeah. So. We ended up talking, and I was like, you know what? I still got my quartet, dude, so I would just talk to him, too, just in case. <laughs> and that was, like, the honest truth. And, of yeah. course, like, when I had our first conversation before we started dating, like, I, we had a clear-the-air conversation. Okay. But um, I didn't feel like I had anything to lose talking to him. So I was like, you know what? I'll give him a chance. He's a goody two-shoes. Like, he was night and day for me so it was like maybe I can try something different and I tried something different and I did I liked it there and okay. I'm not talking sexually um <laughs> okay okay right. so now now I'm gonna stop you now I'm gonna stop you what did you like um he was just different like I mean you know how the quartet scene is yeah all these dudes is the same just some are married and some are not <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you don't get anything new there you just get a new face interesting in oh no let's let's break that okay, down break it down let's break it down so you're saying no matter when it came to quartet it was same dudes different face mm-hmm. same dude different face mm-hmm. over and over and over mm-hmm. and this guy was new dude new face well yeah in a sense. From the court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's fresh. Yeah. You're used to what you're used to. You're you got that going. Right. That's that's popping. Right. But let me see. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. As I say, you love it here. So um, then you end up loving it there. No, he loved it here. Oh. <laughs> So well, what about you? You just liked it. Man. I'm just kidding. It, it was it was obviously I liked him a lot. We have a kid, and we're Facts. together. So um, yeah, so we started talking and hit things off, and I was like, you know what? And he was younger than me. Major red flag for me because I think the youngest person I talked to was like maybe six years older than me. So but at this time, yes, you've never talked to anybody younger than you before him. No, both of my baby daddies actually are the youngest guys I've ever talked to. Interesting. Okay. So um, that was a major red flag for me. So I'm like, okay, what can he do for me? Like, I'm going to be grown. Like, Because at the time, how old are you? 22? Um, I was 20. No, I had to be 
So let me back up. I was 21 because him and I started talking when my first son was six months. Okay. So that was then. Okay. Um, But it was just like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, But I gave him a chance and he gave me something different. Like he wasn't after me for my body. Well, at least he didn't say that he was. Mm. And he didn't show that he was, Mm. even if that was his intentions. Yeah. But um, he wasn't after me for my body. Like. He was asking me questions about me, and I'm like, oh, you want to know what my favorite color is? Like, <sighs> what? <laughs> um, so so was yeah. that uncomfortable at first? No, not really. But because it did not follow up with, like, sex, it was weird. Because in Quartet, it's like, hey, girl, you know, what's your favorite restaurant? You know, what you want to eat? What you like? Tell me about yourself. And then the room number is 163. Hmm. So it was never like a... You know, let me get to know you yeah. for real. So with him, it was like, well, I want to get to know who you are. Like, I don't want to sleep with you. So I'm like, oh, this is this is new. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we we talked and we dated. Um. He was okay with me having a child because, like I said, he is a goody two shoes. Wow. Like, I tell you, goody two shoes. He yeah. don't do no wrong. Like, if he said hell, he'd probably I don't know pass out or something. <laughs> um. But he was a really good guy. So he's still a good guy, I said was, but he is a good guy. (laughs) Yes, I know what you mean. They know what you mean. Right. He was a good guy. So I was like, all right, cool. So he was a good enough guy for you to have an official relationship with him? Mm Mm-hmm. So then y'all have your son. Mm Mm-hmm. What's his name? Ashton. Shout out Ashton. How Mm -hmm. old is he now? He is four now. So then y'all do what it takes to get pregnant. Right. And you prayed. Right. Was you scared to tell me? Absolutely. And it was even worse this time because um, he's he was in ministry. I don't know how far he was in ministry at that time. Okay. But he was in ministry. Um, and it was just hard. Like, I already knew the image that I was going to put on that. Like, I knew they were going to be like, oh, she trapped him. And she made him have sex with her. And she got pregnant by him because... You know, so was he already like preaching and stuff like going around traveling Um, and preaching or not really? I don't know. I know he was preaching. Okay, but I don't think he was like out preaching. But he's influential. So people know and knew who he was. Um, And if they knew I was stamped to him, they'd have been like, it was her all day long. Like Uh, they have a baby because of her. So and I knew that was going to come of that. So I was already I didn't care because, I mean, it takes two people. I didn't rape them. So it was like. Uh, okay, we messed up. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of hard because now I got to tell my parents I'm having another, another baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I was still living there, so it was like, <sighs> you messing. Right. Wait, you messing <laughs> up. Right. Good God. Um. So it was it was gonna be hard because I was living there. Um. But we were in a relationship, okay. so I felt like. I got that under my belt. So this is my man that I have a baby by this time. Whereas before, I ain't know who I had a baby by. Yeah. And also, I had, um, I had, I don't know if I had graduated yet. Yeah, I had graduated because he was in my graduation pictures. Okay. So I had that under my belt. Like, I went back to school. You know, yeah. my dad was like, you know, you need to stay focused on school. And I thought I was going to drop out, but I got my bachelor's degree. Yeah. So it's like, I can go in there and be like, y'all, I got my bachelor's degree, but I got another baby on the way. Yeah. But. He is my man, though. It is right. by my man. And I do got this degree, so this right. is a little bit sweeter. Um, that didn't blow over too well either. But it eventually got 
okay. Um, yeah, it was just it was just hard because of who we both were. Um, and I did feel bad. I don't know if he knows this, but I did feel bad because I felt like I had messed up his image. Um, even though it was mutual, like I'm not saying he didn't trap me, I didn't trap him. It was mutual, like we agreed to lay down. Um, but I felt like I had messed up his image mm-hmm. because I was having a baby. Even if we would have said, like, let's try for a baby, the people would have still looked at it like she trapped him. Or because people knew me as that promiscuous girl. Yeah. So um, that was that was hard for me. I went through a lot when I was carrying him. Um, I was hospitalized because of my mental health. Uh, and that's what got me to where I am today as far as a therapist. Mm. Um, went through severe depression. I did try to end my own life um, while I was carrying this child. How many months pregnant were you? Um, I had to be like seven because I it was in October and I had him in January. So it was right around that yeah. last trimester. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a rough time for me. Um, yeah, that was a really rough time. Like thinking back on that. That's probably the lowest I have ever been yeah. in my life. Yeah. Um, that was that was hard. Uh, I went to the hospital because I tried to overdose. Um, and then I went and sat in the highway in Charlotte. And it just so happened, the side road that I was sitting on, nobody came. Mm. Like, I picked the busiest city because I knew traffic is always heavy. And it was like, I mean, no cars, no nothing. Like, why? <laughs> so... Yeah, that's that's what happened with that. So that pregnancy was hard altogether, just from carrying the child, my parents, the people. Um, me and him had actually broken up, so we weren't together. Mm. Um, was the breakup child-related? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Uh I don't think I don't remember why we broke up. <laughs> but yeah. But once you guys did break up. Did that put more pressure on the situation for you? Mm-hmm. Because now I'm a single mom of two, and mm. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like it was easier to just end my life than to try to figure out how I'm going to take care of two kids and still please my parents and still be an icon for the community. Like I couldn't do it. I didn't know how. And, and <clears throat> let's talk about this. It is easy for people to have expectations of us. It is easy for people to desire us to do and be a certain thing. Mm -hmm. It is very rare that people take the time to consider the impact your expectations have on them. So you can drive a person to actually do the opposite Mm -hmm. of what you want them to do because of how you're presenting what you want them to do and the pressure that comes from it. So some people may have looked at you like you were failing them Mm -hmm. when in all actuality you were crumbling because of the weight of them. Yeah. I felt like I was another statistic. Mm. Because that was the thing. Like, you don't want to be a high school dropout. You don't want to be a teen mom. You don't want to be a single mom. And here I am, like, barely made it through college. And then once I got 
past the stuff, I looked back at all that I accomplished through this, and it was like, I'm not a statistic. No, you definitely still. <laughs> you, hey, listen, Superwoman, you out here in these streets, yeah. like, really getting it in. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. Because, like, you've accomplished a lot. And hearing your story, I understand. So, kudos to you. All right, now back to Ashton. We, <laughs> we get to a place where we like, all right. Okay, mentally, let's talk about that. Okay. So you have those thoughts. You have those actions. You go to Charlotte, the busiest street. You overdose. Mm-hmm. None of this stuff, you you don't succeed at any of it. You tried it all. I did. So did you ever get to the place where you're like, okay, God, you want me here? Clearly. Mm-mm. Oh. I never said that. I was wondering, God, what are you doing and why can't you take me? I didn't care where I went. I just wanted to be off of this earth. It wasn't until, like, my last few days in the hospital that I realized, like, okay, God, you wanted me here to do what? And I'm supposed to do, huh? So you have me go through all of that so I can get here. Here you go again. (laughs) Doing all that extra stuff when you could just tell me. But he know I don't listen. Mm. So... So you got you the type of person that got to go through stuff. Mm-hmm. Not no more. Okay, you like not no more. All he got to say is, "Huh? What'd you say? <laughs> you said you need me to do what? Okay, I'm ready." Yeah. I'm not, not so last few days in the hospital, it's is this when you're about to have Ashton? No, hospitalizing mental health. Okay. In October. Okay. So you go in October. Mm-hmm. How many? How long were you in there? Um, I think it was like two weeks. Okay. Wasn't too long. So in the last couple of days, you like, okay, God, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So you get out. How many months pregnant are you at this point? Um, Eight or nine, right? Yeah. So then for the rest of the pregnancy, where are you mentally? I was ready to have my baby, of yeah. course, physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, I was just preparing. So there was a lot of like papers that I prepared while I was in the hospital with uh-huh. all kind of stuff, like a blueprint of what I was going to do. And some stuff that I got from like group therapy and yeah. from the therapist, like stuff and, and you know, encouraging stuff. And so you went through stuff. therapy pregnant. Yeah, I had to. So they hospitalized me in the bottom floor of a psych ward because I was pregnant. I had to have medical attention. And because I had taken medication, I had to have medical attention. But because I attempted suicide, I had to be in a behavioral hospital. So they put me there so they could monitor my baby and monitor my health. But while I was there, I had to do group therapy. I had to do regular um, one-on-one therapy. And they did not give me any medication because, one, I refused to take any medication. Um, But they did have to give me Benadryl at night to make me sleep because I was crying, like, all day, all night. I wasn't eating. So they would make me take two Benadryl at, like, 8 o'clock or whatever the medicine time was so that I would sleep because I needed to rest because I was getting ready to have a baby. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I went through all of the therapy stuff. Um, and when I got out, I had to continue the therapy for a little bit because, of course, that was very traumatic. Yeah. And then um, postpartum, I, I continued therapy, and then I stopped. So, yeah. So how old was Ashton once you stopped? Um, It was only like a few months afterwards okay. that I stopped because I felt like I was in an okay place okay. to not have to go to therapy every week because I was just like, I don't want to have to go to therapy yeah. every week. So two months old, Ashton's two months old. Are you still with your mom and dad? Mm-hmm. So I eventually moved out and that was another thing I was scared to tell them. 
um, because I felt like I wasn't ready to be out on my own. And because in a good way, they had crippled me to be out on my own because they never let me do anything. Yeah. So it was like when I got out on my own, I was at the stove, like, do I turn this on? Like, what, <laughs> do I get lit? What do right? I do? Like, what, what numbers, is the washing machine? What's the dryer? Like, <laughs> why is there water in this one and not water in this one? Like, I didn't know nothing because my parents did everything. Like, when I tell you as a kid, she would pick the purple Fruit Loops out of my cereal because I didn't like grape flavor stuff. Fruit Loops taste the same. <laughs> Every color <laughs> tastes the same. Like, I was that spoiled. So mm. I didn't have to do anything. I just take my clothes off, put them in the hamper, and then next week, open my drawer, they're in there. And I, I don't know what happened to that magic once I moved out, but that don't work like that no more. <laughs> but yeah, they had crippled me in yeah. a good way to be out on my own. It was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I will burn water. Like, I don't know. How am I supposed to feed kids and I can't even boil water? Like, it's burnt. <laughs> so it's like, I'm trying to Prove to them, like, I've got kids. I'm grown. Yeah. I can do this. But every five minutes, like, Mama, what do I need to do with this? Uh, Dad, can you come over here for a minute? Because I need to fix this or I need to work on this because I didn't know. Yeah. But I wanted to prove to them, like, y'all raised me. Mm. I'm ready to be an adult now. On the inside, I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> but one day after work, um, I was actually a teacher. And one day after work, I had been working all this time to save up my money and, you know, find me a place. I found me a cute little condo. I stayed in Asheboro. And so one day I texted them and I was like, hey, y'all meet me at such and such address. I got a surprise for y'all. And they showed up and it was like, oh, whose house will we at? And I was like, I'm home. <laughs> this is my place. <laughs> and they were like, your place? You're leaving us? Like, you're moving out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I don't know. <laughs> I done paid my deposit and my rent, so yeah. Yeah. So um, that was interesting. It was like a bittersweet moment because they were like, no, you can't leave us, but we're proud of you. Yeah. But don't leave. So it was like, it was a hard moment yeah. because I had left, you know, and yeah. that's my home. I mean, I, of course, my home is always my home with my Absolutely. parents. Absolutely. But it's like, I took that step and... That was the first time I really did something without their input. Like, they didn't tell me where I should live. They didn't tell me if I needed two bedrooms, one bedroom, if I needed to do an upstairs, downstairs. Like, they had no input. And so it was like, crap, what are they going to say? I didn't ask them. I didn't run this by them. Like, I didn't ask if I could even move out. So I had all that pressure again on what should I do because... They're going to be disappointed because what if the house that I picked isn't up to par? Like, what if they wanted me to have a townhouse and I got an apartment? Like, it was just hard because I didn't want to let them down by trying to show them and prove to them that I'm ready. So that that was interesting for me. And that Ashton was maybe six months. Yeah. Yeah, he was maybe six months. So, yeah, I got out then. So you're on your own. Mm -hmm. Once you get... Your new place, your teaching, you said. Mm -hmm. Were you back in school already? Yes. And what were you in school for this time? Um, I had started my master's. Pro well, I was in the, I was in the preparation stage um, to apply for my master's. Okay. Um, I think I started like my second year of teaching. I think I want to say it was like my second year of teaching. I started my master's program. And that was a hot mess. I don't know who told me to have two kids move out and, and start school while, while I'm teaching, teaching. during and, COVID. Jeez. So, and but like, <laughs> what grade are you teaching? You teaching like kids? High school. 
Oh, high school. So and I was coaching. What you were coaching? Cheerleading. Oh, track. Tra- and Let's I helped go. out with cheerleading. Let's go. You ain't, you ain't let it go yet. <laughs> you still in the game. <laughs> so you're teaching high schoolers. Mm-hmm. You're the mom of two. Mm-hmm. And you're about to start your master's mm-hmm. program. And you live on your own. Oh How God. old were you? I was 23, I want to say. Yo, this is crazy. Yeah. It had to be 23, 24, possibly. So, like, like when you really, like you said before, when you really zoom out, yo, you out here. Like, yeah. with all the mistakes and the things that could have been done different, like, you still doing good, bro. Yeah, I tried. Like, yeah. And that was what, like I said, after the fact, kept me going. Because in the moment, I was just doing assignments and going to class. But it was really paying off. Yeah. But I didn't see that because of all the stress of everything else. It's like, what am I even doing with my mm. life? <laughs> so once I got to like today's time, yeah. and I look back and I'm like, dang. Yeah, I did that. Like, dang, I did that. <laughs> you know, I'm street smart. I'm book smart. Like, yeah. I'm gifted. I'm anointed. Yeah. I'm cute. My feet are big, but it's okay. People still like them. <laughs> Anyway, so it was like I looked back at everything and I almost missed it. Mm. Like, I almost missed it in the moment and after the fact. Yeah, like in the moment, I almost missed it because it's like I'm doing this stuff for nothing. Mm. That's what it felt like. Yeah, I just felt like I was doing busy work in life for nothing. And then it was like, once I got here, I'm glad I didn't give up. But I got to this point and I almost missed it because it was like, Look at all the stuff I did wrong. Like, look at how people look at me now. Like, I done messed up. I done scarred everybody. Like, they're just, they've stamped me with this label, and I'm not going to be able to recover from it. That's where I was. It was just like, I was getting ready to miss all my accomplishments because of people. Mm. How do you feel now about that? Oh, I could care less. Oh, I could care less. I could care less. People are going to talk whether I do right, whether I do wrong, whether I do what they want me to do, whether I do what I want to do. They're going to talk regardless. They're going to talk regardless. So, and at this point, if we look at it based on failures and success, I'm succeeding. So, y'all, what y'all got to talk about? (laughs) What do you you have to talk about? Yeah, facts. (laughs) Facts. So, you start start the master's program Mm -hmm. eventually, of course. And what is it in? Clinical mental health counseling. And what made you choose that? Well, back in 2019, I think it was 2018 when I was hospitalized. Yeah. Um, so quick little fun fact about me. I love sunflowers. Okay. Like I absolutely love sunflowers. And that also goes into why I'm now doing what I do. Yeah. So while I was hospitalized, um, that was the most traumatic thing I could have ever experienced. Um, in the room, there was nothing in there. It was like a plastic chair. Um, they had to bring us our toothbrush. We couldn't have any like combs or anything like no pencils, no anything because, you know, we tried to harm ourselves. So that was just very uncomfortable for me. The intercom was right on the headboard. So when they made announcements or any codes or time calls, like all that stuff came over my head. Um, and it was like right there. It wasn't like, you know, no fancy. It was just a little board with a speaker. So one night a kid actually coded like, he successfully ended his life in a psych ward, like two doors down from me. So they called it over the intercom, and then there was like a light flashing, and then all I saw was people running by my door. Of course, I couldn't see anything after that, but that was the moment that woke me up. Mm-hmm. And it was like, 
somebody's life is really that bad that they managed to do this in the psych ward. ward. Like you managed to do this in a suicide proof facility. Mm. So what was that bad for him that made him go there? And then I sat down, I thought about what had me in there. And it was like, you really let people get you to this place? Like you really let what somebody had to say or what somebody thought about you get you to this place? So I kind of got myself together and um, we went outside for like group time. They gave us a little bit of time outside. And so I went out there and there was this cute little old lady and she said, you don't belong here. She said, you are such a sunflower. You don't belong here. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And I never saw that woman again. Now, mind you, I was on the hall with these people. Yeah. <laughs> like we knew everybody. We ate together every day. Like yeah. we had group together. I never saw her again. I saw her outside in the garden. That was it. You feel like that was an angel? Uh-huh. I know it was because I never saw her again. She didn't work there. <laughs> so it was like, okay. So um, after that, I went to my room. I, I guess I started back eating and stuff. I don't know if I was eating before then or not, but started back eating and actually participating in therapy. And I started writing down like stuff just like random encouraging messages to people yeah. and like inspirational quotes and stuff. And I had like a little folder about this thing that I ended up taking home. And it was like a blueprint because some of that stuff I actually talked about in my mental health web series that yeah. I started. So it was like, I got my blueprint. Like God was like, Hey, I need you to do this web series for me, but you're distracted. So I'm going to take you through something right quick so you can do what I need you to do. So when I got out of the hospital, I started trying to put stuff together. But, of course, I was worried about having a baby. So having a web series is not any of my concern (laughs) at that time. So I actually kept the folder. And as time went on, I was just like, maybe I'm supposed to be a therapist. And maybe mm. I'm supposed to like let people talk to me so I can help them through stuff. Yeah. And so um, it was one day after church. I started thinking about like everything that I had went through. Somebody prophesied something to me about like better days or something. And I started thinking about all the stuff that I went through. And I'm like, what would I tell somebody if they went through this? Or like, what if somebody came to me and was like, I'm pregnant and I want to harm myself? What would I tell them? And so that's when I started thinking, OK, God, am I really supposed to be a therapist? Am I really supposed to do this? And then he started making ways like, yeah, you are. Mm. And this is what you're supposed to do. And that's how I got here. <laughs> so talk about the web series. What's the name of it? It's called Graceful Restoration. Yeah. Yeah. Where you are gracefully restored with yours truly. <laughs> Let's go. And has doing that helped you? Mm-hmm. Half the time, I believe that those some of those episodes are for me. Yeah, because it's it's stuff that God gives me like I don't get to pick and choose what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Now, sometimes I open the floor and let people tell me what they want me to talk about, but I don't get to pick and choose. So when God's like, hey, you're going to talk about this tonight. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. And then in the live, I'm talking about stuff and I'm like, oh, God, you dealing with me right now, ain't you? Not on this live, you ain't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it helps me daily. And as I tell people, like, I try to be as transparent as I can be like, I'm human. Just because I'm trying to help y'all don't mean I didn't go through it. Like, and I tell people all the time, like, I have book knowledge and I have the grace of God when it comes to counseling. So you're going to get my experience. You're going to get a little sprinkle of God and you can get a little book knowledge. Okay, So you get everything when it comes to counseling because that's just it's me. Like My life has shaped me into the counselor and the therapist that I am today. So 
And I am faith-based, but I know everybody's not a believer. And some people are like, oh, my God, how are you going to be counsel somebody that ain't a believer? Well, eventually I'll become one if they stick with me long enough. Ooh. But what I'm not going to do is shove Jesus down your throat because I'm a faith-based counselor. You have to, you know, wing people in. Facts. And then you win them over. Yeah. You know? So um, you just get a little bit of everything because of my life. Like, when I get young girls that come to me and my man and my boyfriend and my side piece, I'm just like, hey, you can have that. But let me tell you what's going to happen if you keep it up. Yeah. And then they're just like, but you don't know. Okay. Yes, I do. Let me tell you a couple stories. And then like, okay, never mind. <laughs> So it's like I use my experience, and then I have some older people, and they're like, well, you haven't lived long enough. Well, Piaget said in his theory, and then I have to give them a little book knowledge to show, okay, well, maybe I haven't lived long enough, but I did go to school for it. Then I have some that are like, okay, well, the Spirit of the Lord, okay, well, the Spirit of the Lord said about counseling, if you want to be delivered, you also have to do natural work for the spiritual stuff. But I try to give everybody a little bit of everything, okay, because that's just how— I was created. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, it's literally all of you. Mm -hmm. Like, you've found or God has given you a career path that allows you to be you. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It like, it puts in perspective your in entire life yeah. and so, that's with everything though yeah. like music as well like it's everything yes. everything that i do is me yes. but the problem that i had with that though was being me for me because i'm a therapist 24 7 because it can be in any situation yes. yeah for any given time yeah and so something that really sparked me was a few i don't even know if it was a few weeks ago it might have been a few days ago um I'm in a relationship, and he said, I need my wife, not a counselor. And I was like, oh, oh, my God. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Like, that's who I am. Mm. And it was because I had taken a situation, and I went from a therapeutic standpoint and not from, I guess, like a relationship standpoint mm -hmm. because – I'm just naturally a therapist. Like, yeah. I can't turn that off. But when he said that, it was like, ouch. Like, I'm so used to being everything for everybody that I don't know when to, you know, mm. be what I'm supposed to be. Um, so I had to take a step back and, like, reevaluate what the heck I'm doing with my life. Like, yeah. okay, maybe there's a time to cut that counselor role off for a second. But it's like, I don't know how yeah. sometimes because— I don't know, my, my end-all, be-all goal is to make sure everybody's okay. So if you come to me with a situation, the first thing I'm going to do is go into therapy mode. Like, let's work through this. How can we get on the other side? Like, or what can we do now while you're in this moment? That's just how I think. Mm -hmm. And that's natural. It's not yeah. from the book. It's not from Wake Forest. It's just natural. Yeah. But when he said that, I had to really put myself in perspective. Like, okay, whoa. So even with the music, have you found a way to weave that back into your life as mm -hmm. well i have i don't even know if we mentioned that the fact that you've had a love hate relationship with singing mm. we did not mention that that's a whole episode in itself <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that that uh i don't even know where to start with that because <laughs> 
it really is a love-hate relationship. But here recently, like the later part of last year, I started, like, my passion started burning again. It was like, okay, okay, I'm supposed to start singing or whatever. Yeah. Um, And it's a lot of fear. I think that's what fuels that love-hate relationship with music. It's a lot of fear. Like, what if I put this music out and they don't like it? Or what if I do something that people don't like? Or what if I go somewhere and sing and they don't receive me? Or what if I'm at the club singing and then I try to go to church and Mm. they're like, you can't do that. So you have all of these thoughts. Yeah. That's a lot of thoughts. It is. It is. So you just say, you know what? Don't worry about it. Yeah. But later on in the year last year, like I started getting some ideas and stuff for this year. So it kind of like, like I said, sparked that fire of passion back up. So now I'm like, I'm ready to sing. Yeah. And, and so. too, like from a, from a, um, I don't know how to say it. I guess I'll say storyline for lack of better words. From a storyline perspective, the fact that you are a counselor and the fact that you do what you do on such a consistent basis, you will definitely always have a song. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's, it's just like, <laughs> Absolutely. The song's gonna write themselves at this point. Right. And it becomes another like branch on the tree. Like this is who you are. These are ways that I help. Mm-hmm. These are ways that I express. These are ways that I counsel. You may see me over here in this office. You may see me in this church. You may see me in this club. Hey, this is me. Yeah. Big facts. Won't so, see me in the club though. I mean, I mean, they may they may play your music in the club though. That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean. I don't know like, if they're gonna play that in the club. They might not play that in they, the club. I mean, they play stomp in the club, and they play God in the God in me in the club. It's a God in me. Hey, you know what I'm saying? So you may say something like you may you may you may have a song that like yeah, go there. That is possible. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And then let's talk about dancing. Have you been dancing lately? Or you ain't did that? Um, so I have a little bit. Okay. So when my grandmother passed in twenty twenty, I had hung my dancing shoes up because she was like my number one supporter. Like it didn't matter if I was just doing thirty seconds of a dance. She was on the second row wherever we were. And she just loved to see me dance. Like, she would always, Kira, I just love to see you dance. Mm. And so when she passed away, I danced to her funeral, and that was it. So you thought that was going to be the last dance? Yeah. That was supposed to be the last dance. And then people were just like, oh, can you dance with this? And can you dance at this service? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 sure. So every now and then I was dancing here and there, and then I just I was like, okay. You want to know what's crazy, though? What's crazy? God is never gonna let you give up. He ain't. He and it's it's like I'm I'm listening. It's like, like even when you try, even when you make up your mind to mm-hmm. give up, it's like no, dog. He won't let me give up on anything for that matter. Yo. Anything. Yo. Huh. That's correct. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I would need to be comfortable with myself more. And because I felt like in order for me to be my true self or in order for me to have a big impact on the world, I need to be with a group of people that I know when that's not the case. I was kind of scared 
at first because I felt like I was going to miss them. My parents have told me many times that I have gifts and I need to use it and like people wish they could do what I do and I was like mm, I don't want to do that. Since I was really young I really like to speak and make people feel better in life and it's just something I enjoy. Hi this is Nay, and that was Nay's Place. If you want to catch more search Nay's Place on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. Okay, I'm, I'm straight now. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> so that's wild. Like, to hear you, like, go through it all, it's like, I tried to give up here. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Tried to give up here. Didn't, didn't happen. happen. <laughs> no. All right, so it's 2024. Mm-hmm. Where are you now with everything? Music, um, dancing, therapy, your children, relationships, your mental health, your being, your aura, your you. Where are you? I am, like I said at the start, living my best life. This is the best I've ever felt, the best I've ever been. Um, I've provided consistency to myself, and that helped a lot. I stopped letting people dictate my life. So now it's like I have full control of everything. Um, my kids, it's great. Like, I love it here, being a mom sometimes. Um, sometimes when my living room is not a mess, I love it. But I love it. My kids, they're just, they're so joyful um, and they keep me going. Like, sometimes I have moments where it's like, I hate being a mom. I hate this. Like, I can't do anything. I want to just up and move to New York and try a Broadway show till I get a, a spot and I can't because I got kids. Yeah. And then there are other days like I could not even imagine waking up without my two little sunshines. So it's like, I mean, those days, of course, outweigh those. Absolutely. And and I I do want to say, too, because we have a 10 month old son. Oh. And sometimes I see my wife and like I can feel for her because it's like. So it's like when I when I talk to her after the fact, I can tell that it's uncomfortable for her mm-hmm. to feel like I need a break. Mm. It's like moms almost feel guilty mm. for feeling like I ain't with it today. That is very <laughs> real. It's real, and that I be watching. I watch her, and I'm like. That's very real. Because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But I get that from the mother's side and the counselor's side. Oh. So it's, it's that that really sucks. And yeah. that's something even to this day that I do deal with. It doesn't change how I feel about my life. Life is still Absolutely. great. But there are moments where I hate that because as a mom, I get tired. Like, I do get tired. And I'm trying to balance. Well, now that I'm out of school, it's not so hard. But I try to balance being a mom and then being me. But I'm also everything to everybody else. So it's like my me time is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's like, well, I got 10 minutes. Do I want to take a nap or do I want to go ahead and get this other stuff done? And so I feel bad if I take the nap. Dang it, I should have did the stuff that I was supposed to do. So I get that side of I feel bad about 
not being a mom for a minute, you know, mm. like I'm a mom all week. And then it's like, if I ask somebody on Friday, can you just keep two hours? And then it's like, I'll cut it short one hour. Matter of fact, I'll be right back. So it's like, mm. I, I just don't, I don't know. And then people, they complain like, oh, she just want to give her kids a such and such. Or her parents always have her kids. And it's like, well, I'm doing stuff. It's not like I'm just here, mom and dad, here's my kids, so here. It's because I'm doing something. I'm at work or I'm, you know, doing something in the community or I'm doing something for my web series. Like, And I still feel bad. Mm-hmm. I'm being everything to everybody else, and I still feel bad for being me because of my kids. Mm-hmm. And then with the counselor side, it <laughs> sucks because people think I'm God. Like, I can't have a bad day. I can't be sad. I can't be mad. Like, they expect me to always be happy. Always. (laughs) Because you help people work through things, Mm -hmm. you should do that for yourself. You should be fine. Right. But it's like, no, like, no, that's not how life works. It's really not, like, at all. And it's like, at the end of the the day, I feel exactly like I'm about to say this. And you may not even think this makes sense. But it's like, I pour out, I pour out. I give the shirt off my back. I give my last penny. I give my last meal to not get a thank you, to not get a, you know, I appreciate you. For people to turn around and be like, oh, you took your shirt off for me? Aren't you cold? But I took my shirt off so you could be warm. Like, that is how I feel. And it's like, when y'all get tired, y'all call me. When y'all are hurt, y'all call me. When you go through a breakup or a divorce, you call me and you vent. I sit and listen to you for an hour. You cry, you scream, you cuss at me, you tell me how you feel. When I go home and I want to vent, I have to open my Bible. I have to sit in the corner and cry. I have to close my mouth because I need to hear what God is telling me to help me through because I don't get that luxury. Mm. I don't get that. I have to open up my heart. I have to open up my mouth. I have to open up my mind, my eyes, my arms for people to turn around. And sit in the corner. <laughs> and even the people that be like, oh, you can talk to me. And it's like, soon as I call, let me tell you what happened. Well, let me tell you what happened to me first. And it's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm good. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yes, normal. <laughs> so it's like, I don't, I don't get the feel. As a therapist, they think I'm just happy-go-lucky all the time, which, again, I am. Like, even if I have a bad day, I work, you know, what I do. And them, them days, sometimes, it's a lot. Yeah. And um, another aspect, we can go into this later, but that's spiritual for me as well because I carry people. So when they dump on me, some of that stuff I carry home if I don't let it go. And some of it I have to carry home because it needs to go on my prayer wall. So I have just recently started learning how to let that stuff go. Because that weighs on me. But anyways, the days that I have, sometimes they are bad. Like, sometimes I get home and mentally I'm drained. I don't have the space for that. Because yeah. I'm not supposed to be drained. I'm a therapist. I know how to fix that. You know, you know how to fix a drainage in the brain. You know, fix it. Mm. I don't. You don't cry when you're sad. Fix it. I, I don't know how. <laughs> like, I don't know how. I got my own therapist because every therapist has to have a therapist. But... That one day a week, like, I'm sure she is like, girl, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. But it's like, I don't, and maybe people have tried to provide that safe space for me, but because I feel like I'm going to get shut down, I don't take it. Because every other safe space has been a, oh, I'm here for you, and then you're nowhere to be found. Or Mm -hmm. when I come to you, you ain't got time. 
So it's like I had to create my own safe space because I feel bad for feeling. And I'm a therapist. Like, I feel for a living. Do you not think I take what you told me home or take that after the session? Like, you just cried out about how you were raped when you were six. And I'm supposed to just be like, yay. You know, like, no, I feel that. Like, what you give me, my job in the natural is to listen. But my job in the spiritual is to listen. And when I listen, I listen with my spirit. Because I have learned, if you're going to talk to me, I need to have given you some relief by the end of the session. Because what is the point of you coming to an hour session and you feel the same way when you when you got here? But but the flip side of that is for you to be relieved, that has to go somewhere. Yeah. And I like I said, I've recently learned um, ways that I can let that go. Yeah. Um, some is easier than others, but... I don't know. I'm always on the go. So by the time I sit down and unload, I'm a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess. I want to go back to something you said mm-hmm. because I don't think you're the only person that feels that way. Hey, even the people that say that they're here for me, I don't necessarily go to them because I don't want to get shut down. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Just a pattern of being shut down. It's just the habit. Like, after a while, you know, the boy who cried wolf, see what happened with that? Yeah. I'm tired of, I'm here for you. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you how, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Or, you know, why do you feel that way? Because you could fix that. You know, you're a therapist. What would you wait, tell wait, somebody? Wait, 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 wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, people don't mean no harm because logically, mm-hmm. I understand that. Mm -hmm. And I do too. But at the same time, not really. Let me explain. Please explain. A barber can give you a fade. Mm -hmm. I don't believe he could. He would have to go through a whole lot to fade his stuff up like that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Like He can tighten you up back there, but I don't think he can do that. But He can try. Right. But it ain't going to be sweet as when he do it for right. you. Right. Exactly. So I need you to get back here and get me together. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then you have the people that are like, yeah, I will, but I don't know how. And they, I feel like because they know I'm a therapist, maybe they'll do it wrong. <gasps> maybe they'll be there the so wrong they're, way. So they're intimidated, even if they don't mean to be, by the fact that it's your profession. Mm-hmm. And I can see that it's like, because because it's your profession, most people will probably assume that you are going to critique right. them helping you. Yeah. But <laughs> when it's like, I just need to help. <laughs> I'm too hurt to critique right. you, man. <laughs> I don't care not about that. <laughs> I just want to cry. <laughs> you can't give me the wrong shoulder. Like, what you going to do wrong? But yeah, that's just, and I don't know if that's a fact. That's just something I was thinking, like, maybe... They just know, well, she can't fix herself. I know I can't fix it. No, no. I can't fix her. I can can see that. Like, it is human behavior to be intimidated by someone who does anything well, Mm -hmm. let alone it be what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So maybe you have to tell people, like, I want to come to you and talk to you. You don't have to be no therapist. You don't have to be me. Maybe that would help if you had that conversation or told whoever it is that wants to help that. I could try. You're going to try for real? Mm-mm. 
Sit there and tell that lie. I mean, I could try if yeah. I felt the need to have to talk, but I've come to that I'm comfortable now without. It's okay. I talk so, to my therapist on Fridays mm, and I'm good. So you don't want to trust nobody with that? It's not even that I don't want to trust them. It's just I'm the burden carrier. I'm the problem solver. So <laughs> I'm good, you know. <laughs> like I, I'm but good you're not always good, <laughs> right? But I do usually find a way to be good, even if I don't handle it. I find a way to be good. But don't you I, think it, it'd be better if somebody could be there for you? Like, what, yeah. what, what if somebody like actually proved like, yo, I'm listening, and I ain't even trying to be perfect, and I got you, and I ain't gonna shut down. She do every Friday. My therapist. <laughs> she get paid to do it, but she do it. <laughs> I feel you though. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like know. that's enough, and I, and it wasn't at first, but because she's a therapist, I understand we can't engage in conversation. So, like, if I'm talking to you about a breakup, for instance, she can't be like, "Yeah, girl, I remember when I had this breakup. This is what I." Did. She can't do that. She has to come from a therapeutic standpoint. So it's like, dang it, you know, I be wanting that friend, like mm. that. You know, that, yeah, that's somebody. Um, but sometimes I do feel bad, too, unloading on people. Even if, like I said, they provide that safe space, I just feel like maybe they really can't help me. And sometimes I feel like I'm talking myself in a circle because I just told you 24 hours of my problems and we got nothing. It just, mm. I talked. And I'm not looking for, like, an answer or, you know, I don't know. I'm not looking for anything from them. It's just... I want to save space. And if you're sitting there at me like this, like, I wish she hush. She's talking about the same stuff. Like, just go ahead. That's not a safe space to me. Yeah, it's not. At all. Like, or if I'm talking to you and you're, you see what he wanted to charge? Like, I don't, I can't. <laughs> yeah. That's not a safe space. Because when you come to me, I drop everything I have going. Yeah. And I'm I'm here. Like, this is what you need for me. Even if you don't want me to say anything, I'm going to listen. Mm. That's it. So you do that even when you're not on the clock. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And that's what I think the problem was for me because, like I said, I'm always pouring, pouring, pouring. So at my nonprofit, I also have clients. Mm. So I see them when I'm not at work. Mm. My nine to five, like I work and I counsel all day. And then I get off and I counsel some more. And then I have those random people that are just like, hey, can I talk? And I counsel again. Mm. <laughs> so it's like it doesn't stop. And then I prepare for my show, of course counseling again yeah, so it's like I'm just counseling all the time so it's like I don't really get to breathe. I absolutely understand yeah and it sucks but I try to not show that because there was a time where I was angry about everything because it's like I give y'all everything and y'all don't give me nothing like I just gave you this shirt off my back and you asked me what if I was cold mm. yes I'm cold but I wanted you to be warm so it's like that that was getting to me yeah and then I had to realize, like, well, you were born to do this. You were graced to do this. So how about you go to the person that gave you this and see what he can do, what he has to say. And so I was doing a um, group therapy session with some women in Winston a couple of weeks ago. And I was talking to them about pouring out and not refilling their cup. And, you know, find something to refill your cup. If you're pouring out, whether it's intentionally or, you know, unintentionally, make sure you pour something back in your cup. And I always have something to say, whether I'm arguing, fighting, singing, talking, counseling. I will always have something to say. This lady said, what do you do to fill your cup? I had absolutely no words. Like, I had nothing to say. 
because I'm like, girl, my cup is empty. It's broke. It's on the floor. Like a piece of it's in a trash can. Like what cup? <laughs> cup? <laughs> yeah, the cup you were just talking about. I ain't got one. <laughs> I don't have wow, one. Yeah. But yeah, that was one time I did not have anything to say because it was like, how do I refill my? God, where is my cup? For real, like. I done gave somebody the cup. <laughs> I done poured empty and they had nothing else to give, so I gave somebody the cup. <laughs> oh, cup. So it's like when she said that, I thought about that on the way home, and I was like, I ain't doing music. I ain't dancing. I ain't in school. What am I doing? Like, mm. what am I doing to fill my cup? And, of course, naturally God is filling my cup, of course. That's not a question. But it's like, what am I doing? For me. Yeah. And I'm telling them all this stuff, like, go get your nails done, have a spa day, get with your girls. And it's like, I'm at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I feel, again, guilty for doing stuff. So Saturday, yesterday, I went out. I had a nail appointment. I was like, okay, I'm going to get my nails done. I had a sing last night. So I'm like, scheduled everything. It's like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get that done. I'm only going to spend $12 here. I'm going to go to Ross, get these jeans. I'm going to get home. And I got in Ross, and God got me together real good. I said, oh, now you're talking to me in Ross, God, wait a minute. So I was in Ross, and my mission was go in there, get your pair of jeans, and get out of there. Well, I don't know any woman that goes in Ross and just <laughs> goes in and comes out with one thing. Yeah. So I went in there, and I had got the jeans, and I saw some other stuff. And I was like, oh, that's a cute dress. I like that that shirt. And I like these jeans, too. So I had, like, 12 things. I went to the dressing room, and I was like, I want to try all this stuff on. So tried it all on. I was like, oh, everything fit. That's the first. So I come on out, and I got halfway down the um, aisle, and God was like, get everything. And I was like, well, God, I said I was just coming to get the, the jeans. You know, I'm thinking this. I'm not having, like, a verbal conversation. I'm thinking, like, God, I just came to get jeans, and I know I don't want to spend no more money than I said, and this is not for me. Like, God, I need jeans because I want to go to church tonight in jeans. Um, I want to put this stuff back. He said, get everything. I was like, Okay. All right. And he said, this is the season where you get everything you want. You've suffered a while. Now it's time for you. I said, no. Maybe mm. this is me. Th this is schizophrenic stuff I'd be talking about. I'd be got a couple people up there. But no, that was really God. So um, I was walking on up to the register, and I was just thinking to myself then. I was like, that's crazy because I'm willing to do everything for everybody else. And then when it's time for me to do something for me, mm. I'm quick to shut that down. I'm quick to say, uh-uh. I don't need that. I don't I don't deserve that. I don't need to spend that on me because what if somebody else needs it? Or like, what if I need to save this money because somebody's going to need it for something? And I put myself on a back burner. So God was like, uh-uh, get everything. And he said, whatever you ask me for in this season, you will have it. And he said, your needs, you'll have. Your wants, I'll supply. I'll give them to you. Just ask because I'm so willing to give and I don't ever expect anything in return. I'm not one that's like, well, I gave you $300 to get your tire fixed. I need you to, when you get it, give it back. If you give it back, I'll probably tell you to keep it. If not, keep it. I don't care. Like, if God gave me to give, I'm going to give with a free and pure heart. And he got me together real good. So when I got my stuff, I got home, and I'm like, crap. I can't believe I got all this stuff. And I got that guilty feeling like, here I go, doing something for me. And I felt bad. But he, he reminded me, like, this is not the season for that. Like, you've sacrificed enough. Now you're here. Embrace it. Walk in it. You went through the suffering season. You went through the struggling season. 
Now I'm giving you what you want, and you don't want to take it. Hmm. So he got me together in Ross, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll fill my cup up. And he filled it up. He's like, here's your cup, too, by the way. <laughs> Put your little water in it or something. So I made a day of it yesterday. Like, I enjoyed getting my nails done, and I had to slow down a little bit. Like, even the stuff that I I do on routine, yesterday I was like, let me enjoy getting my pink nails today yeah. instead of worried about what's next. Like, let me enjoy getting my eyebrows waxed instead of worried about what I got to do tonight. Like, yeah. let me be me for a minute. And it felt good. Of course, I still had that guilty feeling because when I got home, I was just like, dang, I did all of that for me and my kids are sitting at the house. You ain't, keep <laughs> the, you ain't like look at the receipt and like contemplating Mm-mm. doing no returns. No, I didn't. Oh, so that's pretty good then. That's pretty good then. <laughs> I did. But I had to realize, like, I've come a long ways, yes. you know, and I've done a lot. Like, I'm proud of myself for once, yeah. and it took me a long time to get here. But I'm proud of myself for once, and I feel like sometimes we get so lost in the sauce and what we've done, we've done wrong that we miss out on celebrating ourselves, even over the small things. Like, you graduated high school, you didn't go to school after that, but you graduated high school, a lot of people dropped out. You know, so we miss out on our victories, worried about the little stuff that we didn't do. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I took a step back and I had to get myself, once God jerked me up a little bit, I was like, okay, God, <clears throat> all right, I got it. So now I'm like, in the moment, I appreciate everything I've, I've gone through and everything that I've done and everything that I'm doing because it's only up from here now. Yeah. So. Are you going to continue to do things to fill your cup? Are you going to be more intentional about that now? I'll try. It, it's it's going to take an effort. <laughs> Yo, the fact that you had the Saturday that you had, mm-hmm. for that still to be your answer is understandable, but wild. Yeah, and I mean, it'll take an effort. That's why I said yeah. I'll try, because I'm not going to say tomorrow I'm going to just go on top of spree because I feel like it. Yeah. But it, I'll try. Yeah, that's all I can Genuinely, do. Genuinely, I'll try. try to be intentional about me and being there for me, and that may be why I don't have anybody there for me because maybe God's like, "Hey, I need you to be there for you first, and then I'll give you first. your friends and first. you know everybody that Absolutely. you want in your corner." So, and I used to joke back in the day. I would be like, "God." You're taking all my friends from me. You're taking everybody. I can't have a relationship. My kids, like, I just can't do nothing. It's going to be me and you sitting in the corner after a while. And I kid you not, my prayer area in my room is in the corner. And um, the other day I had one of my moments, and I was sitting in the corner, and I put my prayer shawl over my head, and I said, God, I know you're lying. It's literally just me and you It is just me and you in a corner (laughs) in real life. (laughs) Like, this is real. But, I mean, I appreciate Of course I appreciate those moments, but it was like, Sometimes you just got to be by yourself. Yeah, facts. And I was looking for what he is trying to give me in people. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said that was something that I was working on because I have to go to him. When I want to vent, it ain't meant for your ears. That's why you don't want to hear it. It's mm-hmm. not meant for my friend's ears. That's why when I call, he or she has something else they want to tell me. So it's not meant for those ears. And that's hard for me because I'm a natural therapist. Yeah, I give my ears all the time. So why can't somebody give me a pair of ears? And it's because he wants me to vent to him, and I be venting too. Come on now, I be, be going in. in I that talk corner. to him like I'm talking to you, <laughs> and he be like, "Um, wait a minute, now <laughs> bring it back in. Let's pray. <laughs> bring it back in." But no, that's my my vulnerable spot. Of course, yeah, I can really be me. Like if I'm mad, I can be mad, and he ain't gonna say, "Well, you shouldn't be mad." 
Why are you mm. mad today? Can you not fix it yourself? Like I can really be and feel when I'm with him. But because I'm so vulnerable, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm. So, Why are you uncomfortable? I don't know. Being vulnerable is hard. It is. It's, it's hard. Weird. It feels yeah. weird. <laughs> and it's like, and then when you're by yourself, it's like, oh, here snotting and crying. Ain't nobody even like, like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, for real. And yeah. then it's like, sometimes I feel like he don't be listening. I know he do, but it's like, God, are you even, you up yeah, on your right phone? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just feel like, I just, too, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I, I, I shouldn't be vulnerable sometimes. Like some stuff, it ain't that serious. Like I give some stuff and some people too much power. Mm. And it's like when I start processing it, that's dumb. Like you really let your day go down the drain because of somebody. Like it'd be dumb after the fact. Mm. And it's just like I was trying to be vulnerable, but it's dumb, God. Like <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> like I was mad all day because it is. <laughs> I'm crying because it is. Like, yeah, this is dumb. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. just uncomfortable. Yeah. Hearing you talk, it um I think about the struggle that we all have in managing relationships. Mm-hmm. It's like in all facets, whether being a mother to your sons or being a friend to your friends or being a daughter. It's like managing expectations is I've never you're the first person that I've talked to where I've had a conversation to get a glimpse into someone's life on this level where they're managing expectations and it got that heavy. I know there are people. Like my wife, for instance, she's a person that I know. So when I say you're the first person I talk to, that's my wife. So, of course, I know. But other than my wife sitting down talking to somebody that I know, like it is going to make me go back and reassess my thoughts and opinions on every human being that I know. Mm -hmm. Because you don't ever know. You don't know. You really don't. Like. And I dare not like, and the reason why I want to be careful from now on is because if I'm not careful, I can easily perceive, let's say you, because you're sitting here, I could easily perceive you a certain way mm-hmm. and be another person to do the same thing mm-hmm. again. Because I never take the time to go beyond the first perception. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to be that person. After talking to you, I try not to be that person in right. general. But I really don't want to be that person now. So, like, if you were to text me now, like, the conversation the conversation would be different. Because now I'm going to be aware enough to go beyond what I expect of you mm-hmm. and what I've perceived in the past of you. Right. Like, to know how much that would help you and anybody. It's like, yeah, let's, let's, we got to treat each other different. Mm-hmm. Like, that's right. We should, because you don't know, man. You don't. You don't know. Like, I'm blown away. You don't know. I ain't even going to hold you. <laughs> I'm blown away because yeah. it's like, you don't know, bro. It don't stop. I mean, even if you make the change, it doesn't stop. Like, even to this day, there are still expectations that I have to uphold. And it's like, the higher I go, 
the heavier it gets. Mm -hmm. The more I have to hold on my shoulders because it's like, oh, you somebody now. So now you really got to do this. And she really got to be this person. So now, but the difference is, I don't care. Yes. I'm going to climb the ladder by myself and (laughs) you can stay down there. You're you're down there, though. You can stay down there and, you know, share your expectations. I'll get back to you when yeah. when I look back. Um, but it's like I don't care now. Um, going where I'm going in life, people always going to have something to say. Yeah. And they're always going to have those expectations. The yeah. only expectations I care about is when I go into my house and my children expect me to be Spider-Man. That's all, that is it. <laughs> I'm going to flip off every wall. I'm about to put the Spider-Man mask on. I'm going to climb on the chairs. That's the only expectations that I'm going to try to live up to because that's all that matters. Like, I could care less about all of this. Oh, you're a licensed therapist. You should. Oh, okay. Thank you. All right. Oh, you're dating a pastor. You should. Oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, you're. Thank you. That's it. That's so good. But the higher you get, the heavier the expectations. Yeah. But that's up to you whether you allow you, yeah, them to. Yeah, it's a choice. It's yeah. a choice. It's a choice. It's so. a choice. And it's like, it, not caring, it's like, you know how people say it's easier said than done? Mm-hmm. For people who serve and who have a heart for people, not caring is like a wild idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's like not caring. Right. Like, you want me to not? I don't even. Can I not care? (laughs) No, that's real. That's real. Am I even capable of not caring? That's real. It's not until you get pushed over the edge that and you realize, I oh, I really can't not, I have to not care. Right. Like, I'm going to die if I continue to care like mm-hmm. this. They going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's like, I have to save myself. Mm-hmm. And not caring is going to save. That's my lifeboat right there. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's wild though. Like, it's, how do you not? You care so much, and then you just don't care. Gosh. Like, it's the same thing. They're like, I'm a people's person, but I really dislike people. Yeah. Like, I don't like people. <laughs> I don't. I don't like people at all. Yeah. But I love people at the same time. Like, I'm a people's person. I'm a social butterfly. Like, yeah. I can't. I don't meet strangers. Like, yeah. I'm just. I draw people to me, and people love to be around me. People yeah. love to talk to me. They find me to be comfortable to talk to. Yeah. And it's like. Okay, cool. I don't like it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, uh. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Whoa. I'm good on it. Yeah. But yeah. I work with people for a living. Yeah. And, I mean, I interact with people for a living. It's literally it what is. you have been assigned to do. Yeah. Like, it's very clear. Yeah. And it's inspirational to me because this conversation with you, it is showing me how to handle me Mm -hmm. and it's showing me how to handle people that i'm close to Mm -hmm. um of course we're gonna have people like us are going to generally have a um healthy relationship with people from a distance Mm -hmm. um because it's just easier to manage because there's not a lot that has to be exchanged the real um complication is the close people Mm mm-hmm and it's like you're teaching me how to treat the close people. It's like, like f- friends, for instance. It's mm-hmm. like I don't have many now because I used 
to have a lot until I realized what a friend is. Mm -hmm. Then I realized I don't have that many. Mm. And now to add a layer to that, to the few that I will have in my life, this conversation with you is showing me like how to handle it. Like, I'm glad I could help. Like, seriously, Kira. Like, like, on the deepest levels of human relationships, like, you have shifted something in me that's making me consider things that I was, I've been so concerned with making sure I'm okay that it never occurred to me to be considerate this deep. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm considerate. Right. Like, if I hire somebody and I need to pay them, I'm considerate. Right. If somebody come to my house, I feed them. Like, <laughs> yeah. if the boys need to just hang, we gonna hang. Right. But to be considerate deeply. I don't know if I've ever known what a true friend is before today. Like, for you to say, I don't even go to people because I don't want to get shut down. It makes me look like if the home, if one of the homies takes me like, oh, bro, I really need to talk. I'm treating that different from now on. Mm -hmm. Because I that could that could be a life changing conversation with my Absolutely. friend that I don't have because I'm going to finish a song. For a client who ain't even paid me all my money yet. So I'm in a session. What? 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 Yeah, it's like, it's like, I, it's. That, that's deep. Yes. Like, yo, I'm busy, man. I'm working. Mm, well, you actually ain't been paid yet. And but even you could really though, do that though, tomorrow. Even though that's the case, even if you weren't working or even if you got paid, the fact that he reached out to you yeah. shows I trust you enough. Yeah. I need you in this moment. Even if it's something small, like, bro, I spilled sauce on my shoes. Like, it don't matter. He he chose you yes. to text. He chose you to reach out to so he knows there's something in you that yes. you can give in the moment. Yes. So I'm going to be a better steward over the friends that I get from now on. Now don't be a therapist because they don't want they want a friend. They want a bro. But you wanna <laughs> know what's crazy? You wanna know what's crazy? First of all, I play the role of a therapist to 99.9% .9 of the people I know. Okay. Um, I've even considered it being a thing, like a real, like, when I'm, when this music thing is done and I'm this year, amount of years old and I do this, I might be a therapist. Like, and I've said that, like, I've said that, you know how you, like, mm -hmm. be just talking. Right. I be saying that because I just be talking because of how things go now. Right. But it's like, dang, I'm really thinking about it. Do it. It's it's my natural state. Like to have a conversation with a person, like that's that's normally what it is. Well, I'm gonna tell you to do it. I love school, so do yo, it. I, I'm a, I'm a really <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna do consider it. it heavily, man. Yeah. But um. I'm stunned. This conversation got me stunned in a different type of way. For real. Because there's 
there's so many layers of life mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about. Like choices I've made, um, labels, mm-hmm. um, expectations, like failures, successes, like I'm going to have to redefine everything. Everything got to get, <laughs> everything, every term, everybody, they got to get, everything got to be like overhauled. Like I got to find a new definition for all of it. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you. I said all that to say I appreciate you. Thank you. Like for real. Like you didn't have to come here and tell your story, but you did. And it helped me. And I know it's going to help somebody else. I'm glad I could help. That's what I do for a living. Dang. That's literally (laughs) my profession. Helping y'all. Helping people is what I do for a living. I'm proud of you, bro. (laughs) Bro, you done come a long way. You a grown woman in here. I am. (laughs) We out here in these streets. No, no, we're not. not. I mean, we we inside. inside (laughs) In this room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. Yeah, that's it. I'm inside. Before we go, is there anything you want to say? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I think I've said enough. Uh, I say a lot. Yeah. On the regular. Yeah. So I don't think I have anything else to add. Are you still doing your show? Yeah. So it is June to November. Okay. Season four. Okay. This year and. I'm not sure what this is going to look like, but I want to change it up a little bit. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I may go back to every week because I went from every week to every other week. And they're like, no, we need you to do it every week. Of so course like, they do. We are humans who need right. that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's on Mondays. It starts the first Monday in June and it ends usually the last week of November. I do like a live concert or like a tiny disc. This Let's past go. year, I did a, a little tiny disc. And um, it was it was pretty good. So, should we expect any music in twenty twenty four? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 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 Let's go. <laughs> I feel like I'm on like overload right now because I have so much in me that I suppressed over the years. Like I had songs that I was supposed to release last year, and yeah. the year before that I wrote some stuff, and it's like now I got like people running around up here like, hey, hey, hey. We got this song, we got this app, and this goes there, and this is there. You need to record this first, and get this out. So it's like I have a lot. Um, I want to do a couple shows too, and maybe do a couple of lives or something. I, I want to do quite a bit, so y'all gonna get tired of hearing me, but I don't care. I don't think they will. I won't personally. I don't think y'all will either. But yeah, I, I don't care if y'all get tired of me because I'm don't. still gonna release my music. Facts. <laughs> yeah, so. Again, yeah. thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm honored. Hey, gang. <laughs> Y'all, this has been another episode of the RXS Podcast with Makira Settle. We out. Peace.